Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Brian Potts, a partner with Perkins Coie in Madison, Wisconsin, and Washington, D.C. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So tell us about your background and your practice at Perkins Coie. Yeah, so I have a unique uh, background, and one of my most dreaded questions is, what do you do? Because it's a hard question to answer. So at Perkins, I'm a partner. I'm in co-chair of the Energy Group, which is about 100 lawyers across the firm. And then in my practice, I'm mostly doing large litigations, either administrative or in federal or state courts that are, you know, about 50% of them are energy related. And then the other ones are just sort of big commercial litigations or suing a New York bank for fraud, those kinds of things. But, and then uh, like you, as a young, uh, younger associate, or when I was an associate in firms, I spent a lot of time writing articles, uh, both to credential myself and because I thought I might want to be a law professor someday. And then around 2017, I was, I had an intern who is this amazing woman and she had a startup company it was going through an incubator. I didn't know what an incubator was. I barely knew what a startup was at the time because I'm a litigator. And I watched her go through that program and I kind of just decided instead of spending all my time writing, I'm going to focus on starting companies. And so since 2017, I have uh, co-founded five different companies and raised over $3 million in outside capital for them and all different kinds of things. So my first one was a keyboard for lawyers. So I'm been dubbed Mr. Keyboard by quite a few of my friends who think it's funny that I'm now a keyboard salesman. But yeah, so it's it's been really fun. I've learned a ton about startups, about investing, uh, about how to get investment, business, et cetera, while also being a partner at Perkins Coie. How do your work and your passion for innovation and entrepreneurship align? It's interesting because at the beginning, I would have told you they didn't, that the startup was sort of side hustle, so to speak. But it, what I've found is that actually doing a lot of these startups and really the networking and meeting people in different industries and different investors, VCs, all that, those sorts of folks has ended up helping significantly my day job and business development because you make relationships with people in a different context. But, you know, a lot of the people I'm talking to in the startup world also need lawyers. And when they know you and they trust you and they like you because you've worked with them on project A or B or C, it has actually led to quite a bit of business development. And interestingly, I like the joke, like I invented a keyboard for lawyers as a get rich quick scheme. And I probably made more money at my law firm because I invented a keyboard and people want to hire me now because I'm the keyboard guy than I have selling keyboards. How do you balance your time to meet your billable requirements, client 
obligations, your focus on business development, and bringing your ideas to fruition? It's really about what my passion, and I've learned this, and actually other pointed this out to me. So I really like creating something, building it, and then handing it off when I see that there's other people who are as or more capable than me at running it, doing it, et cetera. So it's really a lot about project management and delegation and less about how many hours you work. I seem to, I've obviously been lucky that I've gotten to work with people who are, you know, competent and can do a lot of the things that need to be done. But I really try to be as collaborative as possible and involve as many people as possible for that exact reason that there's only one of me and I can't do everything. Speaking of new ideas, you are the co-founder of the Legal Influencer Marketing Agency. What is the genesis of that organization? The Legal Influencer Marketing Agency, or LIMA for short, not LIMA, LIMA, it came about because actually of a different company that I've co-founded, which is not related to law, but actually ended up with an ETF, which is an exchange traded fund. If you don't know, it's like an index fund that trades on NASDAQ and it's political and uses some political data from a political data company I founded. And as part of marketing that ETF, I used a political influencer company called At Advocacy, and their business model is effectively they represent nonprofit mostly and campaigns. So for example, if Trump or if AOC or Biden wants to get influencers to talk about their campaigns to help them fundraise, et cetera, this agency essentially ran those campaigns for the influencers and repped all the influencers. And I was talking to the CEO and I didn't even really know such an agency existed. And it dawned on me that there's a lot of lawyers that are influencers who have audiences that are lawyers and law students who are not doing this and could be, and frankly should be. I found through the keyboard company that I mentioned, it's, it's really hard to find panels to market directly to lawyers. It used to be easy with Facebook and Instagram and Reddit, but then Apple changed the privacy policies and now basically it's much more difficult. And of course you can run LinkedIn ads, but those are really expensive. And so I saw a need and then randomly about a year ago, I met a guy in New York and was telling him about this idea and frankly told him, I don't have the bandwidth to do this. And he said he'd do it. His name is Ramteen. In New York, he's a University of Chicago law grad, is currently in-house counsel. He and I and the advocacy founder of the Political Influencer Agency started meeting. And a year later, we're now uh, launching Lima. We have over 20 legal influencers, some on TikTok with million or more followers, a lot of them on LinkedIn, Instagram with more moderate followings. But all of them are basically putting out content in front of lawyers and law students who rely on their content and like their content. And so it's effectively a model. I've since found out there's also a finance influencer agency 
that is doing something similar. And the benefit of having an agency is A, that you don't have to work with each individual influencer, negotiate terms, et cetera. And B, you can do spins that involve multiple influencers talking about a particular product or selling a service. And you can really get a lot of ripple effects from that if people are seeing it from multiple different influencers at the same time. It reminds me of an NIL broker for lawyers. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Basically, it's the same idea. It's an agency. I mean, it's it's talent agency is what it is, but it's a talent agency for legal influencers. And at the end of the day, this has been proven out in basically every other industry. Influencer marketing is incredibly effective. The ROI is just can be off the charts if it's done it's done right. And so there's huge ad budgets. We're seeing such a explosion of legal tech. They all have marketing budgets and are basically spending them on LinkedIn ads or sales reps who are spamming people on LinkedIn. And obviously the creators have to agree to whatever content they're putting out. So it's not like McDonald's is going to come and all of a sudden all the influencers are going to say McDonald's is amazing, even though they might think that. But it's a model that I think will help a lot of legal tech and other folks who are selling to lawyers be able to get in front of them and actually get their attention. You famously have a rejection letter from your own firm hanging in your office. What advice do you have for those seeking jobs in legal in the current climate? I do. I can see my rejection letter now. It's dated October 17th, 2002. So 21 years ago, I got a letter from Perkins Coie, and it's a form rejection letter. When I posted it on LinkedIn, I just said, law students, if first you don't succeed, try, try again. And 5 million people saw it, and it is now spun into a nationwide legal mentor network called, or it's called the Legal Mentor Network, but it's backed by DLA Piper and allows law students and young lawyers who are looking for a mentor to literally go to the website, sign up. And there are hundreds of practicing attorneys from around the country who are willing to mentor law students and young lawyers for free. I've actually, since that I posted that letter online, I got inundated with requests for mentoring. And since then, this was the beginning of COVID. And I kind of felt like, you know, I'm not a doctor, but this is a nice way to give back to help all these folks who are in, looking for jobs or coming out of the law school in a terrible market. And then I've kind of become addicted. It's not the right word, but I've continued to meet with law students individually, one at a time and young lawyers. And I've ended up well over four or 500 individual sort of half hour meetings with folks where I give them a lot of advice. And I was doing a couple of these meetings and my wife said, Hey, I've heard you do these meetings and they're great. And you're saying a lot of the same stuff. You really should just write this down in a book. And after rolling my eyes and going, I can't believe that you're encouraging me to write a book right now. I realized that she was right. And so I actually have a book out there on Amazon and I'm giving it away for free on LinkedIn and my LinkedIn posts that gives tons of advice to young lawyers and law students about how to find a job as a lawyer. And it's it's written in a way that is hopefully entertaining and as concise and filled with hope 
practical advice as possible. I'm telling law students things that their career services office would never say to do. And it's the whole thing has been wild and fun. And I'd never even done a LinkedIn post before, or maybe I had, but no one ever saw it. So the book is called The Jobless Lawyer's Handbook, How to Get Hired as a Lawyer. Can you give us some highlights? There's two basic premises I that are the most important things that I tell law students and young lawyers about looking for a job. Number one, they're going to be most likely to find the job they want in the city they want when they've been out of law school for three to five years. And we don't need to get into why that is, but it's really important for them to understand that the first job out of law school doesn't have to be their dream job. It doesn't need to even be in the city they want to work. They need to be able to build their resume so that it looks best in that three to five year window. And that knowing that opens up all kinds of doors. For example, you can go look for jobs in a geography where maybe there's a bunch of lower ranked law schools than yours and a geography you don't want to live in forever. But would you go live in Tampa or Orlando for a year or two if it got you a job in Boston or New York three years later? Probably. And so that's sort of the the fundamental, I guess, job trajectory that people need to understand. And then the other thing, and this is critical and anyone, and and I learned most of this from the startup world is that 70 to 85% of all jobs come from people you know or have met. And law students almost are rarely, if ever, actually meeting practicing lawyers who do what they want to do. So a lot of my strategies are ways for law students to network with via Zoom, as many lawyers who do what they want to do in the cities where they want to eventually get a job right out of law school. So I tell them to pick five geographies and effectively spam young lawyers, partners. It doesn't have to be people who could hire you and ask for advice, not a job. Tell them never use the word job in an email unless you're actually applying for a job opening. It's advice, advice, advice. And honestly, the I don't want to say the idea for it, but a lot of it came from raising money for startups where you have to meet with investors and you don't just like email an investor and say, will you write me a check for X? You ask them for advice. You meet with them multiple times and show them that you're taking their advice and making progress. And then it's a lot like dating after the fifth, sixth, tenth meeting they now are comfortable with you as a person that you're going to follow up on what you said you're going to do and probably still like your idea or they wouldn't still be talking to you. And then, you know, that's when they invest. And it's sort of the same idea in the job hunt in that the more people who know you exist, the more people who know you're out on the job market and the more people who are out there thinking about you and possibly referring people to you, referring jobs to you, the better. You're just creating more opportunities for yourself. Given the multifaceted nature of your career, how do you see the way lawyers practice changing? Obviously, there's a lot of automation stuff going on. There's a lot of streamlining of processes that I think are where we're going. I think lawyers in general are averse technology and are slower to adopt things than other groups. So it's an interesting question. I mean, I certainly don't think 
especially for big litigations that like all of a sudden, you know, an AI bot is going to be sitting in front of a judge cross-examining witnesses. But on the other hand, there's so many tools out there that if you're not using them, if you're not at least aware of what's available, you are hugely limiting yourself, probably overbilling your clients by spending too much time on things that could be automated and or not getting the extra leg up you need in your litigation or whatever area of practice. It's going to be interesting. I mean, logically, there will be some, as efficiencies are made, that means you need less humans to do the job. But how quickly that happens, I think, is anyone's guess. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Brian Potts, a partner with Perkins Coie in Madison, Wisconsin, and Washington, D.C., the founder of a number of different ventures and the author of the Jobless Lawyer's Handbook, How to Get Hired as a Lawyer. Brian, it's really been a privilege. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.